Shin Godzilla moved away from the monster versus monster action and returned the big guy to being a genuine disaster that Japan must survive. Perhaps we'll miss trees being stuffed into throats, but this film has much more to say. Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and joining me, as always, is David San. I come in peace, San. You say San at the end of a name. I mean, I don't know much about speaking Japanese, but I know that much. Well, I don't know what I'm supposed to add on the end of a sentence. Uh, konnichiwa, you could have said hello. You could have said hello in Japanese. There you go. That's it. I've exhausted the extent of my Japanese already, okay? That's all I had in the tank. <laughs> um, domo arigato, Mr. Roboto. Translate, please. Thank you very much, Mr. Roboto. <laughs> okay, very good. Welcome, everyone. It's the Atomic Cinema Experiment. This is a science fiction movie podcast. And, of course, we're going to be doing a few Godzilla movies on the build-up in April to Godzilla Cross Kong. Okay, in the podcast originally at this point, I'm talking about what the plan is to eventually cover Godzilla Minus One. But, of course, you might remember that we already did Godzilla Minus One because we got the chance to both go see it in theaters. So that's already out. So any reference I make for the rest of the review about Godzilla Minus One coming at a later date, you can ignore it. You can already go check it out. Uh, also, I'll just tack on to this little audio insert that uh, David's audio is not as good in this one. It was the same uh, last episode with Scanners. It's just a glitch that causes his audio to go wildly out of sync backwards and forwards, so I couldn't use his audio track. So sadly, he's just got the, the Skype audio call quality, which isn't great, but it is a backup. At least you still have the episode. It should be back to normal, hopefully, uh, for next week. So uh, thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of the show. The idea is we were doing today Shin Godzilla, we'll get Minus One done, and we'll have Godzilla cross-call in the big new American movie in April. Mm-hmm. So some some Godzilla things to feast on over the next little while. And I believe yeah. for the first time, and not only <laughs> your time on this show, but I think even in all of Collector's Cut, this is the first time that you had seen the movie and I hadn't coming into the show. I... I'm not going to fight that claim because I don't have a background. I feel like there must have been like a Santa Claus or something that I saw that you didn't. Oh, if you saw Santa Claus too, and I hadn't, that may have counted. Yes, there you go. Oh, there you go. Okay. That's some quality cinema for me to have seen before you. <laughs> oh, David knows Kino. I better watch out. <laughs> yeah, but no, I, I've actually, um, I, I watched this probably about, it was definitely less than a year after it was released because I heard all the hubbub online of people being like, oh, dear Lord, this new Japanese Godzilla movie is amazing. It's a, it's a triumph. And I was like, well, OK, well, I just saw the 2014 Godzilla. So let's see how big this really is. And uh, not to spoil too far ahead, but I then watched it again. So mm. clearly it got something right. Well, before we get into anything here, we'll start spoiler free, of course, but I'll, I'll just say if you're enjoying the show, please do hit the like button on YouTube. It helps out a lot if you do. And of course, you can support the show and keep it coming by going over to patreon.com slash TV, and you get some bonus monthly shows with me and David and some other bonus stuff as well. But I'll tell you more about the bonus content at the end of the podcast, which is also mm-hmm. where David 
will be telling us about his homework. Because David wasn't here for the first 200 or so episodes, he's making a point of going back every single episode and watching something that me and Tara did before his time so that David will eventually have the exact same bouquet of sci-fi experience that that I have. Yep, so I will become an expert. I'll be able to say that is definitely science fiction. Yes, yes. But, uh, you know, Shin Godzilla is a movie that, for whatever reason, I didn't see until now. I think part of my thinking is that I wanted to try and watch every single Japanese Godzilla movie before mm. I saw it. And somewhere along the way, that, that went off the rails. And then I found myself yeah. just kind of... That was it. I just kind of forgot about it, and then it was whatever. And then, of course, with with the new movies coming out, Minus One was was announced, and this was before Minus One mm. was even getting any buzz, which you know is through the roof at this point in t- time mm. of recording. And I was like, okay, this is the perfect time. This is the best excuse to to finally see Shin Godzilla, do it on the show, and talk about it. And don't worry, right? There will come the time when all 28 previous Godzilla movies from Japan will be covered. I don't know when exactly that's going to be. I don't know exactly what format that's going to take, but it's on the to-do list. (laughs) You know how Godzilla's covered in, like, eras? Like, there's the Showa era and the Heisei era and all that. I feel like I'm going to be around for the Showa era, and then you're going to have another host (laughs) for the next one, and it's just going to have to keep on cycling. Yes. Uh, have they named the, the current era that we're in? Do we have a name for that? They have. Uh, I closed the tab already, but I believe it's like the Racey era or something like that. Okay, okay. Interesting, interesting. Uh, so this is, and this is not a new thing. Uh, a lot of the, the 90s Godzilla movies from Japan were kind of like this as well, where each one was kind of standalone. Although in those movies' cases, they were all sequels to the original. So they kind of did this, like, almost like the Halloween franchise, where every couple of years, mm. here's a new Godzilla movie, it's a sequel to the first one, but none of the rest. Like, it's the only thing in continuity is that first movie, and otherwise yeah. it's fresh every time. This kind of does that, except for the fact that it's not a sequel. This this is the first appearance of Godzilla in this movie's universe, in this movie's continuity, and. Mm. I don't think I have to describe a plot, really, because it's Godzilla. Godzilla shows up, wrecks Japan, and everyone has to figure out what to do with it. That's the, <laughs> that's, that's the premise of the well, movie. See, you say that, but I do think American audiences, if they had only ever seen the MonsterVerse, Godzilla introduced in that movie is, like, the watchful protector already. He's not someone who shows up and wrecks stuff. So there is a decent amount of American audiences that I think don't see Godzilla as a destructive force. Well, Godzilla's went back and forth on that throughout his entire existence. Like, he's mm-hmm. obviously the the destructive force in the original 1954 movie, but when you started introducing other monsters very quickly because people wanted to root for Godzilla, he became the hero. He became the one that was right. fighting the bad monsters. Even in US movies, as much as we don't like to think about it because it's not really Godzilla. And, oh, we have to do this at some point. I don't even think of this. Godzilla 98 has to happen at some point. Pete, but, I'm retiring from the show. <laughs> but, but that that you know, he's he's the villain, he's the monster, but then like you say twenty fourteen, no no, he's the, the, the good one, effectively. He's the one who's here mm-hmm. to battle the bad monsters. This is this return to you no know, Godzilla's just this destructive force, he's this this analogy for something else where we're trying to bring mm-hmm. some meaning back to what it is. It's not just a fun monster fight because we want to watch Godzilla beat the shit out of something else. So yeah. 
you know, it, like it's got it's going for a very specific specific thing. Uh, what sets this one kind of apart in terms of its premise is that it's a lot more about the bureaucracy of dealing with a crisis. Is a lot more yes the infrastructure of the Japanese government and how they're solving problems, how they're maybe even working with outside nations, things like that. We'll get into all that in spoilers, like exactly what they do mm-hmm. with it. But that's a big focus for for this one. But this was an interesting one to come into because the last Japanese Godzilla movie before this one, unless I'm misremembering something here, was 2004's uh, Godzilla Final Wars, which, you know, that's a good 12 years before this one. So it was a big gap. It may be the biggest gap they ever had. Uh, Maybe not counting like the 50s to the 60s where they had kind of a big gap as well. Yeah, I know that. Um, I so full disclosure. As I was watching this movie, once I was done it, I kind of just fell down into a YouTube rabbit hole of like everything <laughs> Godzilla. Okay. Um. Apparently, there was supposed to be like a really long gap after the second era, the Heisei era, which ended in 1995. They were going to take a gap of like 10 years off, and then bring Godzilla back. But once the Americans made the 98 Godzilla. They said, well, we can't let that stand. So <laughs> then they brought that Godzilla immediately. Um, but yeah, no, because of them not taking that 10-year gap, yeah, this was a um, a 12-year gap between the final wars to Shin Godzilla for Japanese media, of course. And it was fascinating so, coming into this. Uh, me, the first time here, but just in general, like in 2016, because it's like, okay, visual effects in movies have changed a lot how we make movies has mm-hmm. changed a lot since 2004 but you're also watching a movie that's not a, an american movie and like how other mm-hmm. countries handle things like effects uh, are culturally just different it it's like you yeah. know obviously there's going to be some cg and i expect japan to do that but this movie has a real mix of effects types and i was curious to see how it would all blend together how it would look yeah you know i was i was actually kind of amazed the first time i remember watching this is that for the first, I would say, maybe half an hour of this movie, it felt so low budget comparatively because, like, yes, Godzilla's around, but it is primarily just CG. And it just feels like, okay, you've got your general, you know, shot or whatever, and then you're doing CG work on top of it. It doesn't feel like it's that high budget in terms of what it's doing. But as the movie progresses and it starts showing the true destructive force of Godzilla, you feel that budget just ballooning to the point where it had to have been like a tentpole film the same way that like avatar or whatever is in america yeah except it's not actually that big a budget even minus one's only like a 15 million dollar budget yeah i i know i think there's some i mean i can't really speak to this but i think i did read something about how how they farm out the effects work kind of like makes the budget mm. kind of a lie or something like that like it's not completely accurate in that yeah, sense that's fair but regardless it is definitely a very different beast to to an american hollywood movie and that's part of what makes watching these so interesting is seeing how a different culture with a different pipeline chooses to to pull these things off and and even just like from the storytelling perspective like how they view it and because you know the original godzilla right no secret here it was all about dealing with the pain and the tragedy of a country that had nuclear bombs dropped on it and godzilla represented that it represented the aftermath it represented the the sheer devastation of it and the country trying to heal from that you know it was almost like Mm a you know it was like a therapy session for japan almost like that movie and i think what's interesting watching this is that i just last 
not even last year, this year, it was earlier this year, I finally watched Godzilla 1984, which was the start of the, the second era. That was when it kind of came right. back after a bit of time. And mm-hmm. that has some similarities to this one. There's some of the themes that come up, uh, particularly like working with the US and the different attitudes about the, the, the options they have and just some of those ideas are kind of in there in multiple forms. And I, I think this one kind of takes them all a little bit further and I think that's quite interesting. Whereas the American movies mm-hmm. have kind of almost turned it into a climate change message. And this one, could you can still apply it yeah. to this a little bit if you want to, for sure. But it definitely still feels very seated in this like idea of being anti-nuclear weaponry and that kind of thing. I mean, I don't want to get too much into it in a spoiler, until we get to spoilers, but this one was defined on a very specific event in Japanese culture very recently and it's it's once you see it through that lens it's impossible to yeah. see it any other way so yeah uh but like i say we're still in spoiler free uh we'll, we'll warn you before we go into the spoilers uh but i'll, I'll just we'll get into the the, the 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 basis of the the conversation here which is david how did you feel yes. about shin godzilla it's great i mean i, I don't want to bury the lead there this is it's it's when I went back and I watched the original 1950s Godzilla, obviously there is a difference in how horror films, and it's weird to call Godzilla a horror film with his entire history afterwards, but that first one pretty much was a horror film. It was this idea of this unstoppable force coming in and just destroying everything that these people love. But it's much different from the way that horror films are handled today. So while it was still tense, while there was still artistry behind it, it did feel a little bit campy in a lot of ways. But that's not the movie's fault. That's just how time has progressed and has changed the film. Watching this film for the first time, I felt like that's how the original film was received at the time, where it is this idea of Godzilla just being again, this unstoppable force, and there is barely anything that humans can do to try to put up any sort of fight against it. It is just this unrelenting beast. And I I, I really appreciate the artistry that goes into it. Um, the director, Hideki Anno, he's huge in anime circles, obviously. He came up with uh, uh, Evangelion, was his big baby that everyone cries over so much longer after it's finished. But it's a... It's a great art piece the whole way through. He's definitely got symbolism and messages down in terms of what there, he's showing. There's a him. second director as well. Oh, is there? Yeah, uh, Senji Higuchi. Higuchi, yes. He went on to do um, Shin Ultraman, I believe. Oh, yes, that's he did. That, I remember reading that now, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, while yes, he is the secondary, he is a director, I'm sure he had multiple art pieces, but whenever anybody talks about this film, it is all about Anno's mm. vision and whatnot. So, yeah, overall... Great movie. Um, there's a few sequences that even outside of just watching this movie, I just put on separately. I just pull up on YouTube and watch because it is just so beautiful the whole way through. Yeah, um, I came into this being a huge fan of the original film. I, the original film is haunting. That's the word I used to describe it. The visuals mm. of Godzilla towering over Tokyo, uh, walking over the water, the mist coming in, the black and white, of course, like adds this like just eerie quality to it and mm. i think this was an attempt and there's a lot of stuff at the start of this movie where it's like people holding cameras so there's i won't call it found footage but there's definitely some stuff like from the perspective of people on the ground early on and 
it mm-hmm. kind of does treat it like a disaster movie and there's like okay there's some weird anomaly and we all start discussing it and then obviously it builds to a godzilla movie from from that point right. um yeah i liked it a lot i think the decision making process the bureaucracy of it is very interesting because we couldn't have made this comparison when this came out but you know now i'm watching this i'm thinking okay watching how painful it is for them to try and make decisions and like all the red tape getting in the way it's hard not to think a little bit about something like chernobyl where it's all about the people getting because this movie is almost darkly funny at points where someone will say this will definitely not happen or we'll definitely do this cut to that thing definitely happening yeah you know that happens in this movie a few times but the big thing though is that when you do get the big spectacle when you do get the full-on godzilla sequences they're pretty spectacular there's a mix of uh cg but there's a lot of practical as well there's a practical godzilla Mm -hmm. and there's some wonderful shots there's a shot at one point uh from street level looking up at the tail as it just kind of like goes over a few buildings and the camera just kind of follows it and the sense of scale even though this godzilla is much smaller than the one in the u.s films right now the sense of scale from that angle and the way the cinematography captures it and makes it feel huge uh just just sits mm-hmm. really well and then by the time you get to some of the really haunting images of when the entire city's basically like got a cloud of fire behind it, i won't get we'll get to the context of that later yeah. but there's a very distinct visual that will stay in your mind of just the destruction mm-hmm. that's happening and all that I stuff i mean that's specifically the scene I was talking about that yeah. I go back to constantly is that scene. It's it's just it's so beautiful in a really obviously dark way, and you know I I think if I was to critique anything, I'd say you know the movie's two hours long. I will say that after the big high point in the middle, the movie does sort of slow back down again, and maybe it takes a little bit too long to get to the the final sort of act, if you will. It does you know because it kind of all yeah. it all kind of goes back. And I get it; you have to go back down after the big high, and you have to build back up again. But it kind of does that for a while because there's so much build up in that first hour right to to the your big sort of tent pole sequences that, that take place around the halfway mark and then mm-hmm. the second half it feels like it goes back to being really slow and building up again but i think because you've already done it once you can't ask the audience to have the exact same amount of patience it has to be altered because we're now doing it a second time so it's, it's yeah. not a big deal it's it's a minor critique i, I i'm saying that maybe 10 minutes like cutting out 10 minutes just to speed up that that second half a little bit would have been good um obviously yeah, I see is- what you're saying. although i i do want to counter one point that you said there because this was the part that i actually found amazing uh save for the very 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 final shot of the movie there was never an actual practical jap or godzilla in this entire movie the entire thing was always cg'd i don't believe you <laughs> It's I know they they specifically created the effects to look like the sort of like rubbery sort of material that was, you know, like a costume would look like. But the whole way through is always a CG. They use motion capture. They used all the like sort of like modern day effects that we would have. But there was never a man in a suit. I'm not just saying there was a man in a suit, but I'm just going to say I don't believe you. I I need a citation. I, I don't mean, believe you. Every, like I said, I went down that YouTube rabbit hole hard, and that was the thing that kept coming up, was that it was CG the whole way through, except for the very final shot, where they did make a practical model for that. Hold on. I'm doing some research here, because I just I straight That's up don't fine. believe you. There's too much of it that doesn't no. look like CG. 
no, I, I I agree. I think there are sequences in this where it does look like it should just be like either a miniature or a model that's just being like somewhat affected. But it's 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 a strange look for it. And that's the part that got me the most was that I when I saw the first sequence of Godzilla when he is first moving through the town, it does very much look like special effects. But there's a certain tipping point where it almost gets to be so, I don't want to say lifelike, but just so perfectly intermeshed with the sequences as a whole that it does. Okay, okay, David, just first up, right? Screen ran okay, article. Sorry. Shin Godzilla is praised right. for its intercutting between CG and animatronic Godzilla. Right there, animatronic Godzilla. Okay. I absolutely, I was absolutely seen an animatronic was- Godzilla. That was different than what I heard that. I heard other movies <laughs> or other things saying the exact opposite, where it was all CG. See, this is what I was reading on the wiki article itself. A variety of techniques such as puppets, animatronics, and digital effects were initially considered, but went unused after Toho decided to create a completely CG Godzilla. So we're getting counterpoints here. That's what I was reading. I, I, I just don't believe it. Like I, 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 yeah, I, 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 I'm just saying that... Even if it was only mostly CG, even if there were animatronic bits, there was never a point where it felt like it was too much CG. It always felt like there was this great meshing of the effects that they knew they were able to use, and they worked them so well into the sequences, especially the um, found footage bits that you were saying, the things that were taken from the perspective of people on the ground. That stuff looked incredible. Regardless, I mean, it looks good, but what's so weird about this debate is that I think the first time, the first form of Godzilla you see in this movie, I do think Mm -hmm. looks a bit too CG. That's what, yeah, that's what I'm saying is that it's different, but I don't think it's too, I think it's just, I don't know. It's, it's a problem of, it doesn't feel like it's in the environment, like interacting with it properly, but I don't think that it, the object itself feels CG to me. Cause that's the, I, I had the exact same feeling the first time I watched it through and it was only looking back on it now that I feel like, no, it's, it's just because it's so unexpected because for anyone not really trying to spoil much at all, but like Godzilla goes through multiple forms in this movie. He like evolves on camera and the first ones that you see of him, you would not think are Godzilla like at all. Yeah. But no, I, I disagree with part of that. I, I do think the first one looks like CG. Like, I just think it's straight up looks like CG. Right. The way it moves, the way it, the way it looks. It look, not not it's, it's to a bad extent, but mm. I think it's plainly CG, that the first version you see. And then it felt like okay. it was mixing in other techniques as it was going on, as, as Godzilla was taking more of a traditional form. Mm. Um, I mean, I, th- I think that the biggest problem I had with this is that there's several sequences, especially in the first form where you see it like gushing out blood or some other form of liquid. I think the liquid looked horrible. I think that's where they, they pushed their boundaries too far. I didn't think they quite had the liquid physics down, but I think the monster himself looked fine for me at the very least. Anywho, to get off this debate, um, I mean, (laughs) I'll I'll just say if, if everything I thought that I was looking at that I thought was an animatronic or a practical effect of some kind was actually CG, then I'm impressed, not only because it looked real, but because they even made it clunky in the way that it would be if it was a practical effect, which is a really interesting choice because part of the reason why you wouldn't do it with those is to have more fluid motion and they chose not to have that if that's the case. I still am mm. unconvinced, though, that it's not a mixture right. of practical and CG. 
Um, if they, look, if 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 someone straight up proves it to me, I'm happy to accept I'm wrong. But all right. There's straight up moments where I'm I I was positive there there was practical, anywho. And I mean that's that's good for it either way. Yeah, because either way that's a good thing. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Either way that's actually a, a great statement to make. So while mm. I'm I'm busting David's balls a bit here, um, ultimately this is good for the movie, <laughs> regardless. So. Yeah. Anyway, what's oh yeah, I was just saying if I like the movie or not. Yeah, the movie's <laughs> the movie's very good. Oh, good. Uh, some some minor critiques, I guess, on pacing in the second half, but mm. by and large, excellent stuff. Uh, with the music, I enjoyed that. There's kind of like a remix of the original theme, but you also get to yeah. use a you get the original version of it in the end credits, but you also get to use another classic theme at one point as well. Uh, there's kind of the mm-hmm. I guess the we're doing the plan music, I'll call it that, uh, is used yeah. at the, the right moment, which it, it would have been the original as well. So, And it also does use the, um, I don't know if it's throughout the whole movie, but at least once or twice the original Godzilla roar was brought back as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They absolutely used the roar. Uh, I, to be mm-hmm. fair, I don't know if they've ever not used the original sound i think they've always had it in some form or That's another. Fair. I, I think I'm just so used because I, I haven't gone back to this movie since like the last three monsterverse movies have come out so i yeah. think i'm just more so used to the monsterverse sounds than i am the original japanese to be fair the monsterverse godzilla does sound similar like they intentionally created mm. you know their version of that original sound yeah. you know it has that but you, thing you that original sound is just its own specific sound clip if you change it at all then you're going to recognize the changes in it oh yeah so the wilhelm scream yeah uh, right but yeah, so anyway, I, I think obviously maybe the, another critique you could maybe give the movie, if it's important, and I think it's debatable if it is in this particular case, is that I wouldn't say there's like a main character with an arc or anything like that, because it's not really that type of movie. Uh, there is, it's there is someone who, we, yeah, that we would label as the main character, but, but it's... It, it, yeah it, it, i think it's because when you're watching a movie like this and it's full of these meetings with bureaucrats and politicians mm-hmm. and there's a lot of like faces you start to recognize throughout the movie but it, it's a lot of like gr- big groups of people talking to each other and debating things and you get a sense mm-hmm. of who some of them are based on their consistent opinions and like someone's obviously a, a, the first one every time to say oh we should kill it fire everything we've got yeah. at it I mean, there's always one like that and then there's someone who's like no, no we should wait we ought to, and there's always one who's like no we should evacuate first the people come first like and you mm-hmm. get the different types of arguments that they're they're coming out with uh but it is very much a movie where it doesn't have like a central character you're following on an adventure or anything like that right right it's, uh, it's not the aaron taylor johnson of godzilla 2014 it's not the one no. where all of a sudden he's just there wherever the monsters happen to be but that's not to say that uh, in terms of monster screen time, that this is viewed way more to monsters, because it absolutely isn't. There is long stretches no, no. of this where we're in boardrooms, where we're in, you know, bunkers d- debating what to do and how to solve problems. So, yeah, I mean, I would say that the quote unquote inciting incident of this movie begins probably within the first two minutes. But it's another 30 until you actually see like Godzilla himself yeah. in any meaningful capacity. I think two minutes is even actually being pessimistic. I think it's in the first like 
20 seconds yeah. <laughs> if i'm honest Fair. it depends what you count yeah. it from if you're counting the studio intros first then okay it's more than 30 seconds but if you're if you're yeah. counting the start is after those then i think it is like within 30 seconds you get the the, the initial oh something's weird's happening in the water what are we gonna do with it oh that is i i'm sure it doesn't matter to most people but me and you both did watch the japanese dubbed version with english subtitles so that was, was a, that was a weird way to say that david i don't i don't know what different way i could have the japanese original is that what you're saying yeah it's just weird to say the original language was dot like the japanese dubbed like you say the english dubbed version if you watch the english dub all right that's fair fine sorry I don't do a lot of original Japanese watching. I don't do a lot of Japanese film watching, period. I've never, I just um, never heard anyone, uh, I mean, I guess it's not technically incorrect in a sense, yeah. but it it's t- typically implies that you've changed the, uh, you've changed something, you know, you, you've recorded over mm-hmm. whatever the original I, spoken I language enjoyed, is. I enjoyed last time when we watched Scanners and the English dub. What about it? Yeah, see, that sounds weird. <laughs> That's very odd. Um, but yeah, no, if there is any sort of even mild like differences in what characters are saying, just know that that's the reason why, because we stuck with the original instead of going with whatever America got. Yeah. Although this disclaimer, I'm, I'm just going to say, is unnecessary, because it's the people who watch the dub are watching the incorrect version. We're watching the accurate one. So Fair. that's yeah. on them if, they, if they're hearing different things than us. Well, it's the... It's a difference on whether or not, like in the 1954, do you watch Gojira or do you watch Godzilla? Because that just has entirely new scenes added into it. Well, specifically, no, the, the, the recut version is Godzilla King of the Monsters. Uh, Godzilla is just the oh. translation of Gojira. Uh, but the one where they added like, the American character in is Godzilla King of the Monsters, which mm. I have never seen, actually. Uh, that version okay. i never wanted to i'm like i don't need to i don't think i did interestingly yeah. interestingly though godzilla 1984 they did the same thing where they added scenes into the american version and sort of re- mm. renamed it for the american audience they actually brought the character they added in back from the original to do the new se- so it's like <laughs> the same guy but older wow so i appreciate the commitment to the bit yeah but that's I'd still, a dedication i'd still rather watch the original version of both when given the yeah. when given the choice but that's fair interesting bit of trivia uh, <laughs> anywho uh so yes yes why was it subtitled which uh and there's a lot of dialogue thick and fast so I would, mm-hmm. <laughs> you sort of, it was almost like a relief to get the godzilla stuff because the dialogue calms down and it's just okay i can just enjoy the monster action now because i'm not reading breakneck yeah, speeds I don't, I don't know if in the original like when it was in theaters, they had text uh, that was basically just like popping up for everybody's names. But the version that I watched, anytime there was a new character, they'd yeah, be like, that, here's that, the person's that. name. Here they are in the government. Here's what they're doing. And then later on, when we start getting into military fights, every time they showed like a new truck or a new tank or something, they'd be like, here's the tank. Here's what it fires off. I'm like, guys, stop. I need to be able to see the screen. Yeah, I was a little bit worried actually because you see one of those first before the first line of dialogue spoken, and it's at the top of the screen. And as it went mm-hmm. on, I realized that it's just all oh, the labels for places are going to be at the top, so it doesn't you know doesn't conflict with the subtitles at the bottom. But I was a little bit worried. Wait, did they put all the subtitles at the top of the screen? That's weird. <laughs> you don't do that, yeah. Toho. <laughs> uh, it wasn't the case, obviously. It was just a, a momentary uh, bit of fear. But uh, yeah. Uh. Yes, yeah. Shin Godzilla is very good. It's it's mm-hmm. it's got a sort of nastier, spirited Godzilla to it. He 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 does just feel like a force of nature in this, um, all, almost vicious in a, in a way that even the original Godzilla didn't 
quite have. Yeah, because uh, there's a difference between, you know, just the way I always go back to is Cloverfield, just because that was one of the first ones I went to. In Cloverfield, it definitely feels like the monster is just kind of lumbering through the city. It doesn't have a larger goal of destruction. It's just kind of there. Yeah. This Godzilla feels like, no, screw you guys. I'm taking this out. Yeah, we're, we're here for... Um, yeah, he's here to kick ass and chew bubble gum, but he's all out of bubble gum. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm just trying to think of anything else I want to talk about before we get to spoilers. Um, just in terms of the human actors, mm-hmm. obviously it's kind of hard to gauge like if somebody sounds like they're hamming it up or whatnot, if they're in a different language. But I think that each of the actors did a great job. There was nobody who stood out to me as particularly bad acting. There were a few moments of, I would say, strange directing where like an actor would go really over the top in their reaction to something, but it didn't seem to me like it was the actor making that choice. It was more so of just, here's how the script put it. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you get 90% if it's a good or bad performance, even a different language. I think there is obviously some enunciation that you can't quite get because you don't know what it's supposed to sound like in, in the other mm-hmm. language versus English, where you can pick up in that in your own native tongue, or if you just speak the, the language. But mm. I think ninety percent of it you can still tell, and yeah, I think I think they're solid. Um, there's no one in here that I particularly recognize from from anything. But nah. uh, I, I had no complaints with 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 anyone certainly. Yeah, yeah, it was a it was a thing where whenever we cut to just the human only segments, I didn't hate it. Like it wasn't a thing where I was sitting there going, "No, come on, bring back the monsters." I'm done with this boardroom meeting stuff. It was well, well, they kept it interesting a decent amount of way through. What they were debating from an idea perspective was always or at least most of the time pretty fascinating. It was about how do we mm-hmm. deal with this and it was the characters like you know, there's a, just for an example here in the first 15 minutes someone says don't worry, there's not a chance this could come out of land, right? And that's like, one of those moments where I laughed out loud because I'm like, you, so, you sound like one of the characters in Chernobyl saying, ah, nah, nah, the radiation's not that bad. This is not big of a disaster. Yeah. And it, it There's had no that... way it could have happened. <laughs> and there's that vibe to it. There's, there's that vibe to just kind of the the ignorance and the, the willful kind of denial of what's going on uh, mm-hmm. leading to more tragedy and more lives lost as a result. And I, I think at times that was, like I say, bordering on like a sort of dark comedy uh, because it's like, okay, this is kind of funny how wrong they are. But of course, there's serious right. consequences to to that. So, no, very, very good. So spoilers mm-hmm. then, I think, from this point on, just so we can talk freely about yes everything. I think we probably just start with Godzilla himself and the big set piece in the middle, just to talk about how he looks, how he transforms, okay. uh, how his atomic breath works in this one, you know, all, all these different factors uh, that go into right. just the Godzilla-specific stuff uh, and get that dealt with. So, because the, the big thing here is that, like you said earlier, when they first see a tail come out of the water, I'm like, that doesn't really look very Godzilla-like. But then you right. see some shots of like it's like a canal, and you see like the spiky bits coming out the water. And I thought, oh, I guess it, I guess Godzilla's here swimming down here. But when you actually mm. see its full body when he comes out, I was like, oh, that's not Godzilla. It's Godzilla Lake and parts of it. But and then I'm like, I didn't, I, and I genuinely didn't think in this that there was a second monster. I thought I thought this was just Godzilla. I didn't think there was going to be like another monster. Yeah, and mm-hmm. that's what I thought I was seeing until, of course, it starts to mutate. 
and you see like oh wait no those back legs are starting to look a bit more godzilla like oh and mm-hmm. then there's the big transformation sequence where you see the head actually kind of like pop out of the chest and this is one of the parts that i thought looked very animatronic it looked like there was like an outer shell and it was being pushed mm-hmm. up from within and all that stuff um and yeah. they're like shit oh man it's it's, it's mutating it's getting taller it's doing this and and, and whatnot and this mm-hmm. is maybe like half an hour or so into the movie this part uh when this is all going on because yeah a, like half an hour 45 somewhere in there because there's a big thing here where it kind of disappears it goes back to the water and disappears for a little while and mm-hmm. it, all the characters are kind of having to consider the idea that oh like he could come back at any point like what do we do like look at the devastation that happened with the the crawling quote-unquote version just going through yeah. part of the say so this is all built up of course to when he comes back in full form uh, godzilla's design in this is very interesting i think he has maybe the thickest thighs <laughs> of like uh that, yeah, well, of any godzilla design i've seen this movie, I think, took extra special care to try to explain, probably even more so than any other Godzilla film, how Godzilla could biologically exist. And they that, that's why they go through this sort of evolutionary cycle thing where they say, okay, he's a sea creature. He's lived down on the ocean. If he all of a sudden came up on land, how would he be moving? How would he be able to do that? And that's why you had this basically dead fish version where he's just sort of plowing his way through the streets on his hind legs with his head just buried into the ground. But then he evolves. He's like, okay, I'm up on land. I can walk now. He stands up and he does that. I think that once he comes back with this huge trunk of a body and then it like sort of narrows as he goes higher up that's the sort of idea of like if there were a creature that was 400 feet tall like this he would need some massive glutes to be able to hold that up oh yeah i think the fact that he's really fat at the bottom but really skinny at the top is very distinct mm-hmm. of this particular godzilla this shin godzilla um and yeah. then obviously you've got the bits of red kind of poking through it looks kind of mean he's got that whole thing um because the big thing at the start of the movie of course and i really liked how all this was captured is the like they think there's like an underwater volcano eruption or something because it's just like there's water bubbling up and it looks like blood there's like a underwater tunnel uh yeah uh, they call it an aqua ro- not a road what did they call it like it's like, it's like uh, the english channel or any tunnel that goes underwater yeah. but uh mm. like we see like footage from inside a car and like there's a, a big hole appears at the top and it, it looks like blood is coming in through the, the top mm-hmm. and I'm like shit what's going on? Probably is. What's going on? Well we see it later on that Godzilla's got these like gills that excrete mm-hmm. this red uh, atomic like waste or whatever it is yeah. that's coming out. I mean honestly I think it is just blood. I think that's the thing because they explicitly go through the biology as they get further in they discover that this path that Godzilla took through the city his first time around left some radioactive trail so they've come to the conclusion of okay he's got something to do with radiation he's probably running off nuclear fusion or fission or whatever and then they managed to boil down the idea of his biology being that his blood is essentially a cooling system for the yeah. nuclear reactor in his body well uh, yeah it goes back to basically the dumping of like toxic waste like not not in like a safe way like this was back in like the 70s and whatever yeah people were dumping toxic waste in parts of the ocean and they theorized that's what created this uh godzilla i think that the part to me that made me think oh there's a bit of climate change in this although i think obviously tying it more to say a nuclear power plant uh you know all yeah. you know 
having a having a <laughs> what's the correct term here because uh, it because a meltdown it, uh, is it classed as a full meltdown what happened in fukushima uh, yes or was it like an almost the... meltdown like w- 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 i mean they stopped it but like the event yeah. that was happening was a meltdown okay. so yeah yeah so so, because there's this, there's a really interesting part of this, and we're kind of veering away from topic Godzilla himself here. We'll get back to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there's this character I think they call him Mako, uh, the scientist. Mm-hmm. So eventually, early Sean, we're introduced to this Japanese American character, this young woman uh, named Pattinson, or Patterson, sorry, and she's sort of there to be the liaison from the U.S. to to the Japanese government, and they've got information. They've got, they're the ones with the name. Like, she whips out a document. It's like, yeah, this scientist, Mako, predicted some of this. And, like, she opens it and it says right there, Godzilla. And it's like, wait a minute, yeah. what's going on here? Someone predicted Godzilla? And I was thinking climate change a little bit here because there's so much, you know, this idea of scientists telling everyone, hey, this is happening. Here are the estimates mm-hmm. for when all the tragedy is going to happen. And they keep getting worse as, as time goes on. But I think you could easily also relate this to the idea of like people warning of like what could happen at a nuclear power plant when disaster strikes. If you know, yeah, I mean, if can I just take a moment and get into the Fukushima thing because about well, this is the perfect God, time for it. Go for it. Yeah, Godzilla's the Fukushima thing. Like it's one hundred percent the whole way through. So we open up with that tail thing happening, it destroys the tunnel that is very obviously supposed to be representative of the initial earthquake that happened. And then time passes, they, the government sits around, they're having all these bureaucratic meetings and whatnot, saying like, oh yeah, it's just an earthquake, nothing to worry about. And then the tsunami hits, and the tsunami is obviously the second form as it makes its way not only through the canals, pushing all of these boats that were originally out at sea deep, deep into the city, but then it spills out into the roads and it starts taking out buildings. It is destructive force 100%. But then it goes back out. The tsunami is done. But the problem that has happened is because of the earthquake, because of the tsunami, Fukushima's nuclear reactor is now going critical it's not able to get as much water into and it, that's the, cool it and therefore that's the build up to the yeah. full godzilla form yeah uh, and that's that's them basically fighting against this larger godzilla form of this nuclear disaster that's coming in and it's, it's going to wreck the entirety of the area yeah i don't remember the timeline of fukushima so i i, I quite like how it seems to link up specifically mm-hmm. with how that those events played out that's really cool i think what's interesting about this and this is obviously not something that we're hoping for but it is interesting that something else nuclear related not a bomb in this case mm-hmm. a, a reactor a, a power plant but the yeah. idea that something nuclear made godzilla relevant again because now there's a new nuclear thing to use godzilla as an analogy for and yep just the idea that nuclear well whether we're talking ex- intended weapons or we're talking about tragedies at a power plant it's just so fascinating to me that godzilla is this avatar that can be used to talk about that subject in all of its forms uh, from its inception yeah. all the way now to to, to present day I, I think that's really fascinating and the mm-hmm. it's yeah God- godzilla is the perfect mesh between man-made disaster and nature coming to fix it things Yes. It is the perfect blend of those two, just as a theme. So whichever way you want to take it, you can. Yeah, because, again, depending on which version of Godzilla you're watching, he's either something 
that was already there that was natural that was awakened because of what man has done or he was created mm. because of what man has done or, or, or you mm. know like, like the, 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 all these variations all kind of boil down to the, the same kind of few themes and ideas that all kind of go into it uh yeah yeah all, all that stuff's wonderful and i i think it it, it does it, it means the movie's constantly got something to say like as much as i'm sure if you were really well studied on the every event that happened and transpired over that fukushima disaster and maybe one day there'll be the chernobyl like miniseries that mm. goes into it beat by beat but i i would yeah. hasten to expect that a lot of the conversations that we're seeing in this movie parallel some of similar conversations that happened in real life and yeah. are, are translated to sort of fit godzilla but are pointing out hey could more lives have been saved if certain decisions could have been made quicker could this have happened mm. if, if we didn't have to if people weren't panicking because there wasn't a plan in place for this you know stuff like that yeah and that's that's what I think this movie does fantastically in terms of the the all the boardroom, all the meeting scenes, all these scenes where these politicians are getting together and they're talking about, OK, what's the plan? What do we have in place? And you see them all passing the buck between all these different agencies. They want to follow this level of protocol. They say, OK, we have to meet up and then a subgroup of that committee has to have their own meeting and then they have to decide something and then we'll run it back up the chain before we can actually do anything. Meanwhile, people are dying. We literally cut in between people sitting in these boardrooms and people running for their lives from Godzilla outside. And I think this movie is just highly critical of this idea of there's a time for talk and there's a time for just doing something. And I think that if you look back at the Fukushima, it was a lot of people who were sitting there talking about what to do and not actually doing anything for the longest time. Yeah. And then there's the whole idea they bring in some scientists at one point to try and, okay, now we know there's a creature here. Let's bring in some biologists and whoever could possibly yes. give some theories on this. And there's a quick montage of them giving their thoughts. And then it cuts to a boardroom and they're like, what a lot of nonsense. Like, let's not yeah. listen to anything they said. Let's go back to debating. And it's and, and then they bring in a new, someone the main character, Yaguchi, you know, is like, oh, I knew someone from college who can't, but she's not exactly high level. So it's like, no, bring her in anyway. And she flat mm -hmm. out says, like, she's sitting on her laptop, oh, the thing's got feet and, like, could probably stand up and come out of land. And then someone says, yeah, but, like, th this article here says if it has web feet, then it wouldn't support its massive weight. Yeah. And she hits out we with... We have no reason to think that it's going to make landfall. And she hits out with, it's already supporting its weight in the war. It's already doing that. And they just mm -hmm. don't listen to her. And then, of course, tragedy then yeah. continues on as, as, you, as you do. So... Yeah. Um... To get back to Godzilla, or sorry, to get back to the whole scientist thing, the the, the mysterious Mako scientist who mm -hmm. had predicted some of this, and it's almost like it's it's almost like he was taunt, like because the final message in his like documents, whatever, which is you know, like do whatever you. I can't remember what the exact phrase was, but it was like it's like do what you will or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and it was just almost like challenge, like like look, I'm throwing my hands up in the air. I've tried to warn everyone that something like this could happen. No one's listened to mm -hmm. me do what you want and i think the way that's obviously because i think all the fukushima stuff is there right and mm -hmm. is all up until the actual disaster in the, the middle part of the movie but then the movie starts to bring in 
you know, it starts to bring in talking about Japan's past. It, it's straight up, like, when the, the subject of do we drop a nuclear bomb on it, and notably, it's the US who wants to hit it with a nuke. And oh, yeah. one of the Japanese characters outright just says they want to drop a third nuclear bomb in Japan, which is a very interesting way to phrase that, because it's not like they want to attack Japan in this context, but that's how mm. it's been talked about. This would be the third nuclear bomb dropped on Japan. And at one point, uh, when uh, uh, Patterson's talking to Yaguchi outside about what to do and about trying to avoid the nuclear option, which is this, there's a, basically a countdown on the back half of the movie to we're going to drop mm-hmm. nukes on it, and they're trying to come up with a, another solution in the meantime, where she talks about how oh, her grandmother was here when, when Hiroshima happened. And then it cuts to mm-hmm. a couple of photos of the devastation after the nuclear bombs and they're just kind of in there slyly before it goes on to its next scene and i thought just sort of linking that up to with that and the idea that like they're trying their best to make sure they don't have to drop a nuclear bomb but they feel pressured into it because this is something that comes up a lot in the back half of the movie is the idea that if they refuse the rest of the world's going to look at this disaster and if Godzilla then moves on from Japan afterwards, Japan will be blamed. Mm. And Japan, because there's already so much devastation, has to rely on outside help. It has to rely on the economy of other countries and the support of other countries to get it back yeah. on its feet. So they can't just alienate themselves. So if the the UN and like this, you know, conglomerate of all these different countries are all saying, no, the best course of action for the entire planet is to nuke this bastard <laughs> as quickly as possible on some level yeah. they have to go along with it there's this there's this floating idea from the back half of the movie on once like the US gets involved and Godzilla becomes well known to the world where every country seemingly just doesn't trust Japan to be mature enough as a nation on its own to like mm. handle the decision here they keep on saying like oh yeah no america's going to step in they'll take care of everything it's like well okay but Japan is its own country. They should be able to handle this. And that's the movie's idea as it moves forward is it's basically saying like they've given us an ultimatum. They've given us a countdown and we agreed to it begrudgingly. But like we should be able to solve this problem ourselves. We should be able to deal with this as we need to. And like you said, if they fail, they'll be the laughing stock of the world. But they also don't see this idea of them being essentially a secondary thought to the rest of the world as being any better they they see themselves as being able to handle themselves so and i think it's to, this to, it's a strange like nationalist idea but not in a negative way yeah not yeah cause I, yeah I agree it's, it's more of like a positive thing because i think part of it is the idea of like try to give japan its own agency in this because mm-hmm. japan obviously with, with the nuclear bombs and so, you know and a character in the movie even points this out and is very critical about it that the hand-waving and, like, false confidence is what led to the nuclear bombs being dropped in the first place, right? He says, back, you know, back in the 40s, like, there was this confidence and this sense of national pride that led to those bombs being dropped. Like, they didn't consider the real possibilities and threats that were that were there. And he's trying to keep a serious head on and, like, no, let's take this threat seriously. Like, this could get really bad. I think there's an idea of like the country try to have its own agency because it, it didn't have its agency, uh, you know, and then the aftermath of, or at least it felt like it didn't, uh, you know, the, the, the Japan people yeah. as a whole probably didn't feel like they had a lot of control after the end of World War II and how that ended. Well, there was a there was a scene in this movie specifically where they're talking about, okay, we need um, to launch a military response at Godzilla. And this is before he even goes back into the water the first time. And they explicitly are like, 
saying, they're looking at the bylaws and they're like, because our military was taken away at the end of World War II because of how that wrapped up, like we can only launch our military in very specific circumstances. And they don't even think that having Godzilla attack falls under those circumstances. Like the law itself, they yeah. quote as saying uh, only if the aggressor is an outside country. And everyone's just kind of like, extenuating circumstance yeah, here no, dude that, this goes back to the whole second amendment thing is like when they wrote the second amendment they didn't predict like <laughs> the, the level of technology in the future this is the same thing here when right. they wrote this deal no one was thinking a giant kaiju was going to come out the water and start wrecking shit I, I, as soon as they were saying that sort of stuff the only thing that goes through my mind was like it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission in this case like yeah. go ahead and shoot the giant monster and if anybody wants to come at you saying you didn't have permission to launch the military you just go oh i'm sorry did you want us to do something else <laughs> yeah I, I think all those debates are really interesting and i feel like you know like we obviously are not experts in the history here we we are we're taking what we can from the movie and how it's presented it to us and from what we do know, but clearly, like someone who actually knows this history and can really speak to the themes that it's hitting on and the actual things that it's critiquing, both from Fukushima and even from the end of World War Two, and and like all all this stuff, like it feels like there's so much weight there that we can only just sort of like get what the movie's given to us and what we can interpret on our own. We clearly aren't going to get everything here because we aren't yeah. experts because we don't know as well as this and we're not Japanese. We don't. We've never lived in Japan, but all yeah. of this is clearly there, and it gives the movie this extra set of weight that it feels like when they're talking about trying to avoid dropping a nuclear bomb and not wanting that is the is the is the only solution. It feels like yeah, this is coming from a people who the only people on the planet who have had to live beyond this happening to them, right? Japan's the only yeah. country where nuclear bombs were dropped and they've had and to, it, you know, live in the aftermath of that. Yeah, and that's the other thing is that it's not even a matter of the loss of human life. Like over the course of this movie, they explicitly say, no, we've evacuated Tokyo. There's nobody left there. It is just Godzilla who would be hit by this bomb. But just the fact that it would essentially leave Tokyo unable to be lived in for decades afterwards is what gives them that pause to say, no, it's not worth it. There's yeah. no reason that we should have to go through this again, especially if there's an alternative, which they believe there is. Yeah, in fact, one of the little things they attack on at the end is uh, that obviously Godzilla himself is leaving radiation. Uh, they mm -hmm. mention that the half-life of Godzilla's isotopes is actually much, much shorter than traditional radiation. So it's only going to be about yep. three years before Tokyo is completely safe in that sense. Uh, mm -hmm. But I think one of the interesting things uh, about the ending, and we'll go back and talk about all the big Godzilla stuff, is that mm. uh, Godzilla, the whole plan for Godzilla is to freeze him from the inside. Is to like... So at the end of the movie, Godzilla is literally frozen still in the middle of Tokyo. Mm. And they make this poignant thing at the end here where, no, we have to live with Godzilla. Godzilla's not going away. He, he's standing mm. right there. And that's where I, I think if you want to bring in the climate change talk as well, you can say, yeah, like, there's no just getting rid of it. Like, it doesn't just go away. There's not like a, a, a quick, simple fix. It's something we're mm -hmm. constantly going to have to consider and fight and always be aware of forever. And the same is true with uh, radiation. It's the same is true with, with the, if we're going to keep using nuclear power plants, if we're going to keep using all these different mm -hmm. things, these are constantly something we always have to 
keep in mind and be aware of. So I do love the visual and the idea that there is a giant just frozen Godzilla <laughs> in the middle of yeah. Tokyo forever well, <laughs> because of how they defeated that. Not only that, the the I think what's even more interesting that is, you know, Japan worked through their own plan. They they took Godzilla's blood. They made him freeze in place. But the big thing is that the countdown timer that the Americans had on these nukes, because Godzilla's frozen, they froze the timer. But they didn't call it off. If Godzilla ever moves again, the timer immediately kicks back on, and it only has like sixty minutes from that point to when they will launch the nukes again. So it's this kind of continuing on with that idea that the rest of the world doesn't quite trust Japan, that they are able to handle themselves. They say like, look, okay, yes, you fixed the problem, but we're not sure that you've completely fixed the problem. And if it ever looks like there's any sort of cracks in this, we are coming in immediately. Yeah, it's like they've, they've frozen them, they've delayed the problem, but the problem potentially might just still be there one day. Mm-hmm. To be dealt with yeah i thought that was a really interesting point as well the, the ending um yeah so to go back to the middle of the movie because we have to talk about godzilla's <laughs> actual like you know when he goes fully formed and yep. we've had this one prime minister of japan who's been making the decisions in fact one of the little things i want to mention here actually before i forget is one of the mm-hmm. the perfect kind of encapsulations of the of the bureaucracy getting in the way of things happening is this happens several times where the military guy in the room will say, oh, we need the prime minister's yeah. permission to use force. And then he'll he'll say that to this sort of like middle-aged woman who's in the room. And then she'll turn and say, prime minister, do we have permission to use force? And I'm like, why does this have to go through someone in the middle of the table? Why can't you just ask them directly? Well, they, they evacuate the entirety of the city saying like, okay, everyone's gone. We can launch this full frontal attack with our military on Godzilla. And then they're just assuming that it's been gone. And as the helicopters are literally seconds from firing, they see two old civilians just trying to make their way out of town. And we see no less than six phone calls going up the chain of command from the helicopters to the prime minister saying, there are civilians, should we fire? And by the time it hits him, he says, nope, abort. And it's just that bureaucracy getting in the way where I, I think that the major point of this movie is there's always going to be collateral damage. And you can't, like, so much of this was that the government itself, the prime minister, didn't want to be the one responsible for any of the deaths. He wanted it, like, he, if Godzilla killed a million billion people, so be it. So long as he wasn't the one that was responsible for any of it, nobody could blame him. Yeah, because his, his replacement even has the same thing, because he sits down mm-hmm. and he's like, oh, no one wants responsibility right now. And he does, you know, he does yeah. not want that job. Like, like oh, no. <laughs> he's, he's sitting there. His noodles got soggy. He hates it. Yeah, because he's like the secretary oh. of agriculture or something like that. He's not. He's not prepared mm-hmm. for this job. He's like, no. I don't want to be prime minister. It reminded me of the show um, Designated Survivor, where the whole thing is that everyone in line for the presidency got killed, and then there's just the one guy who was like in charge of transportation or whatever mm. goes to presidency, and he's like, I don't want this. This sucks. <laughs> um, but no, the the counterpoint to that though is that. When we get to the final like battle scene where we show them fighting against Godzilla, they have a radiation like sensor and it shows 
just how much of Godzilla's radiation is kind of like leaking off of him and is infecting the city. And someone points it out. They say, we've reached the acceptable limits. We like the radiation has gone too far. And the main guy says, we got to keep going because if we don't like it's all for nothing, this is our last option. It's that idea where he takes responsibility. He says, whatever's going to happen here, I'm willing to shoulder that because it is for the better good here. Yeah. I I think the, the big because the big thing about that decision early on about okay that's not fire because of the civilians it does also turn out though that when they do eventually hit Godzilla with everything they've got it does mm-hmm. nothing like the bullets bounce no. off of him and but that's after he evolves and possibly has thicker skin like it might have done something after uh, tr- because he was still a sea creature true uh, true yeah well he was he was in that kind of mid like, this is before he came came back but it was after he'd already mm-hmm. transformed the first time so he was he was kind of Godzilla shaped by this point he was walking yeah. around but yeah he wasn't full form yet where he came back and was like proper armored so yeah you're right he may have done mm-hmm. something and that that feeds into the theme of because you couldn't make a decision it, it led to more devastation as a result yeah. and i think Th- that sequence is fun because you've got like the, you know like they hit him with so much stuff that there's just black smoke everywhere but then it clears yeah, sure. and then you still see Godzilla standing there and you know he I think at one point like he walks into a bridge or the bridge goes up and you see the bridge flying in the air about uh, one of my favorite yeah. things about the the final set pieces when they're doing their whole plan is that they they're using the environment around them so they actually like not only did they blow up buildings that are around them so the buildings fall on top of them which is a great visual mm-hmm. but you also have okay he's walking over the train track so we're going to send in multiple trains from both sides that are filled yeah. with explosives so you get this great shot as the trains are hitting them of like the trains all just kind of like thrown up into the air it, it, it's almost like a kid playing with toys and just being like whoosh whoosh and just things are flying everywhere yeah the visuals are great but somehow, despite all this talking, we're still not talking about the, the most magical moments of mm-hmm. Godzilla in the movie, which is the, the Prime Minister's going to evacuate. He doesn't want to, but they insist that he has to evacuate, and he's going to the helicopter. But this is also, of course, when Godzilla's stomping through the main part of Tokyo by this point, and, he's, and they're saying, hey, starting to, like, the, the fins are starting to glow pink here. Something, something's not quite right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, obviously, if you're a fan of Godzilla, you know what this is building up to. This is the atomic breath. Oh, yeah. And I think what's so interesting about this is I didn't know what the atomic breath was going to be in this context, and there was stages to it where Godzilla mm-hmm. points down, and what's interesting is the bottom of his jaw kind of opens sideways a little bit as well to make his mouth... Yeah, like Predator-style, yeah. like lotus mouth yeah almost it's still kind of connected with like a sort of i'd say it's like more webbed than that but yeah like it's sort of yeah it detaches mm-hmm. sort of uh, horizontally as well and he sort of points down and like i, I don't know like I, I guess it's radiation but it's like a gas comes out first it's almost like yeah it's almost like he's he's putting out flammable gas first and then he ignites it with his mouth so you get this mm-hmm. spread of fire going throughout the whole city and i thought oh that's an interesting take in the atomic breath but then you actually it forms into the traditional sort of like beam of atomic breath as well so yeah he just focuses it more and more and more until finally it's just a solid piercing shot yeah so you get that as well and he, he literally just just sort of like turns his head as he's looking towards the city and you get this almost laser beam just going through buildings and it's like okay Mm -hmm. this is absolutely destructive and this is where i think it's the the u.s stealth bombers are starting to try and attack him and godzilla just starts like taking them out 
And then eventually, when they try to come in from behind, Gazelle's like, bitch, I've got a secret weapon. <laughs> See this, this beam that's coming from my mouth? I can send that out ten times from my fins. So you get this just grid of beams coming from his fins, yep. and it just destroys all the planes that are coming in to try and hit him. And I'm like, okay, at this point, you're just showing off now. You're just like, the visuals of the entire city on fire, Godzilla standing in the city, the beams all it's coming off his back. got this operatic music going on in the back as well. <sighs> it's uh, so haunting. I love it. I love it. it. It's gorgeous. It's it's the it's the big set piece. It's the big money moment. There's some great stuff at the end mm-hmm. as well. Like, you know, when I said that they were taking the buildings down around them and they were ramming the trains into them, I guess the only mm-hmm. critique I would have about the the final set piece and them doing their plan because i love that the whole plan is to get him down and then while he's down for a bit is to get some cranes to keep his mouth open so they can like yeah. pump in the the coagulant that's all good stuff my only i guess my only minor critique would be is that i felt like maybe a little bit more tension could have been had if godzilla started to like move again on his own before they started like coming because it kind of he almost kind of waits like because he basically goes to sleep right like after he's like expelled all of his energy in this big set piece in the middle he goes to sleep and he's literally just standing there waiting and it's again it's kind of symbolic is like oh no this problem's not gone like we have to like come up with a solution and you've got this whole countdown yeah people are basically they're running tests and they say like we've got about two weeks before we figure he's going to be backing up to full energy where he's going to start stomping around again which does uh tie in really well with the whole meltdown thing because the idea of okay this is when it's going to turn into a effectively a a nuclear bomb if we don't do something if we don't take the necessary precautions it's going to explode so Mm -hmm. yeah you know so that, that ties in wonderfully with that and that's great uh, mm-hmm. But I, I, do, I do almost wonder if, like, it was a, it was a bit weird that he doesn't even start moving until. And I guess they're just going for this idea that they're they're like so down to the wire that they're just enacting their plan as he's waking up. But well, I I didn't take it as a so he is still he is frozen. You do see like his red light in his chest starts glowing again at a yeah. certain point. So obviously he is powering up. But the way I took it is they were like, all right, we. We've got everything we need. Like they said, they had an hour until that nuke was about to hit. Like the yeah. America was going to drop the nuke in an hour. Um, so they said, all right, we're going now. And once they started attacking Godzilla, the first thing they did was they like uh, used some trains to blow up his leg area, like to just cause some explosions around his leg. And at that point, Godzilla woke up again and he was like, oh, okay, I'm being attacked. It seems like he had sort of a defensive thing going on where yeah. he... he was able to be awoken. It's not like he was impossible. It was not like he was totally comatose. He was more of just hibernating. Uh, yeah, that's fair. I, I just almost wonder if it would have made it a bit more tense going into that as if like, oh shit, like we, we weren't going to go for another couple hours. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I know that the countdown to the bomb was also that as well, but if, yeah. if almost like, oh no shit, we weren't going to be ready for another six hours, but he's starting to move. We have to start now. Like, I, I do wonder if that would have added to the tension a little bit. It's like, oh shit, we're not quite ready, but we have to go. I I think the way to do it without like restructuring anything is just to add a single shot of the American jet that's holding the nuke, like leaving the like aircraft sure. carrier or something. Like just show it's on its way. You're out of time. You have to go now. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think it was just the idea of like the Godzilla problem becoming a thing again, mm-hmm. and like just ha- having him starting to cause something or starting to even just move. Like, oh yeah. shit, the destruction's starting well, they, up again. We have to go. 
they did give two cutaways. It was not what you're saying in terms of like Godzilla start moving, but there was one cutaway where they showed Godzilla's chest start glowing again. Yeah. And then there was a second cutaway, which is the big reveal at the end, which we'll get to, is that his the tip of his tail like fractures a little bit while he's comatose. And it's just like a very sudden jolt of like the outer shell moving, but it doesn't actually show him moving. It just shows something's happening with Godzilla. He is still changing and evolving even while he's sitting still. Yeah, I, I guess I just mean for, for. Yeah, I know. I know what you get, right? Yeah. You, you want him to be able to wake up and be like, oh, shit. All right, everyone in place. Let's go. Yeah, Dress yeah. rehearsal is not going to happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm just talking about like a. Because typically, when you're doing a movie script and you're you're building up to your climax, is you you want the, the 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 good characters to have that extra challenge that they weren't anticipating to make it harder, mm-hmm. to make it feel like they're overcoming the odds, right? Um, yeah. And the idea of Godzilla just being asleep until they make their move, I, I guess, just it's slightly the suboptimal way of doing that. I guess is what what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, I guess if we're working through the final fight. Um... There is one point where I feel like that happens. So the number one thing is they blow up his legs just to wake him up. And then they start sending in U.S. drones because the U.S. has decided to help them on this plan. And the reason they're sending in the drones is that they figure Godzilla will use his nuclear fin attack again in order to take out the drones before they can hit him. Yeah. And because of that, it's going to expel all of his nuclear energy again. Either it's basically trying to make that happen with minimal loss of life. So they just send wave after wave after wave after wave of these drones until finally it seems that Godzilla isn't able to do it anymore. And then they enact phase three, which is they send in the trucks with the coagulant. But turns out Godzilla did still have a little bit of juice in him. And I think that's the moment right there where Godzilla adds Mm. that extra bit of challenge because he wipes out the first fleet of trucks with just a single atomic breath. It's just 100% gone. It's a great shot as well. Because it's it's the the, the, the laser atomic breath just sort of going down the street and it just takes out the, you know, like you say, the Mm. wave of trucks. It's just a really good visual. So, yeah, no, I, I, I... yeah, that's that's a great yeah. moment. Like that's that's great. I I just thought, I mean, in terms of the build up to the, I guess right. it goes in with what I was saying earlier, where we almost slowed down a bit too much after that middle part of the movie, where we have the big set piece, and I think just having yeah. that extra bit of crunch of oh shit, like we have to go because he's starting to to get going again, would have just like maybe helped. Like oh, sh- we're building up to this now. Um, you know. Yeah, I, I do agree that the second half, as soon as Godzilla freezes, you do possibly slow down a bit too much. But I think that's more so because they were trying to focus on this idea of, you know, Japan's able to take care of itself. We're able to do our own thing. But then we also get our sort of main leader character. Um, I know he has a name and I've forgotten it in the hour since we started this review. Yaguchi. Uh, Yep. Uh, He sort of has his own little mini arc right here where basically he goes from like, oh, you know, I'm I'm a career politician. One day I hope to be prime minister in like 10 years. But then at this point when the plans are being made, he's like, screw that. I just the country's got to be here. I got to I have to if I have to die for my country, I die for my country. And it's kind of this idea of him opening up a bit more towards you know, uh, being uh, yeah. a career politician is not an ideal thing to be. Yeah, Parson kind of does the same thing as well because she has a whole thing where she's talking to another American. We never see who the American is. It's just kind of this ominous mm-hmm. kind of like person on a plane. And it's kind of this, yeah. she makes kind of a similar decision where she's maybe, not definitely, but she's 
jeopardizing her potential political career that she wants to do the right thing now for the for the solution she believes in and that's you mm-hmm. know her helping yaguchi with the the attack the plan on godzilla to try and freeze him um i would say the actual prepping of the plan though and then like doing the research and looking at the data and saying okay i think we've got it it's probably the weakest part of the movie just because it is all just a bit of like made up science to like okay this will stop godzilla (laughs) yeah there's there's one point when they finally crack all the clues that i think it was mako yeah the scientist yeah who we never see this is a scientist from years ago who just predicted all this but he left behind like some clues to like how Godzilla would work or whatnot. And they finally end up cracking his formula and they show it in like this overlay as if people are looking at the computer screen that has it. And everyone's like, all right, it looks good. And I'm like, bro, that's some dots on a screen. That means nothing to me as an audience. And you don't even have a, to convince me. And part of them cracking, it's like, oh, origami. And they start folding this like map of dots that he left. And I'm like, I don't mm-hmm. really understand what you're doing right now. I just, right. you seem to be doing something. You're understanding it. That's great. Uh, mm-hmm. which is probably again why this chunk of the movie is I think the weakest portion I think the the build up in the first hour is fantastic that middle set piece is phenomenal and I think the last like 20 or so minutes are great as well I think the final points that it makes and it's not to say that there's nothing good because like I say that moment where they're talking about dropping a bomb and like not wanting mm-hmm. to like piss off like the rest of the world by not going along with the plan that they've all agreed to and talking about Hiroshima and things like that. Like, I love a lot of little things that are sprinkled into that part of the film. I just think as a whole, it's definitely the part that feels the most slow and the most like, okay, we've maybe cooled down too much uh, versus where we were. It it definitely feels like the entirety of Japan is like, they know Godzilla is going to wake up again, but they know it's not going to be for at least that two weeks. So they've almost like lost the tension up until we get down to the wire time-wise mm. because they know there's no way Godzilla's going to start moving again. If there was this sort of uncertainty to it, this idea that it could start moving at any second, I think that tension would have really helped to ratchet it up and keep it interesting that whole way yeah. through. Maybe this is like too much of like an American movie thing, the two ideas that I'm about to suggest. One would be mm. that maybe you cut back to like a subplot of like, a couple of like soldiers or something who are tasked with just keeping an eye on good like they're they're the ones right next to him who are monitoring him and they're just looking mm. for little cracks and stuff or like is he moving yet or whatever and you just sort of yeah. like set up two sort of minor characters that we can come back to and like see their reaction as Godzilla maybe is starting to show signs of life or something uh, the other thing might be is that maybe this is where you have like a civilian or something who wants to get something that is like right next to Godzilla so maybe you get a tense sequence where they're trying to like sneak in and they're like oh no he's fine he's frozen still but there's this tension mm-hmm. of, no, he could wake up at any time and move right next to him. Or it's just something to sprinkle yeah. in between all the signs talk of like how they're going to possibly they, stop. They had, they had a scene, it was very much blink and you miss it, where they were basically trying to send a drone in to Godzilla, but... It, as soon as they got within range of them, it just immediately was shot oh, with that's one made... of Godzilla's, like, mini lasers. Well, it wasn't even so much the... La- it's made me think of Chernobyl, actually, when they were trying to send in, like, drones yeah. to do readings, and the drone would just break down once it got close enough because the radiation was too high. That's what it made mm-hmm. me think of. Uh, yeah. Which, again, makes sense if we're going with the, the, all the, the Fukushima stuff, which, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely is the first thing this movie's about. Um, the fact oh, yeah. that I, I, I think you can extend it to some other themes as well, is because it's just how versatile Godzilla is as an idea. But absolutely, that was the first thing they had in, in their their brains as they were mapping this out. And mm-hmm. that being such a natural follow-up to what the original was for the nuclear bombs uh, 
to Japan. Just you know, it fits. Oh, yeah. it, it makes it spiritually probably the truest sequel to that original movie in a lot of ways, even though it's not continuity wise a sequel. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's what I was saying. Was I feel like comparing to the 1954 one, like Godzilla very quickly and through no fault of its own became a bit more campy. Godzilla obviously became a hero in the eyes of the people and he was fighting other monsters. This is the first one that I feel like, at least I haven't seen the eighties one. I don't know what goes on in those, but this is the first one that I feel really got back to that idea of Godzilla is a force of nature that, is completely uncaring as to whether or not humanity is there or not. It is going to just plow its way through. And if anything, it's a bit angry at humanity in a lot of ways. So it's not even just uncaring, it's angry at us, and it's going to actively destroy us. It's the consequences. Yeah. Of, of exactly. Whatever you know, you're, you're taking. For. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, it's not the first time. Like I say, in the Gazelle 1984 absolutely has some of those ideas in there. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the things I really liked about that movie is that it brings in other countries, and it, it, you know, there's, there's, there's someone from the US that they talk to about what to do about Godzilla and about help. And a big part of mm-hmm. Godzilla 1984 is the prime minister being like no, we're not using a nuke. And that's something that very much comes up here again. So I, I definitely see some of the the shared lineage coming from that uh, in mm-hmm. this one. Uh, and it is one of the most beloved of the of the later movies. So, Oh, yeah. Uh, but th- yeah, this does feel very distinct and it feels very confident in what it's doing. And like, yeah, I can make some minor pacing quibbles and maybe a couple of little things that I would have improved one way or the other. But its set piece moments are very well done and they feel so distinct and that they don't look anything like the American movies, but they also feel like yeah. they don't look like the old Japanese movies either. They feel like a, you know, they feel like this like concoction of a new style, a new visual language that is is distinct to its own movie, to it. So, and maybe minus one has a similar style of visuals. I'm not sure. I haven't seen it yet. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, but same. It, it feels like it's doing its own thing in so many ways, whilst also very much being a Godzilla movie that still owes its entire identity to the original because the entire idea of using Godzilla as an analogy or as a as an avatar for this disaster, this tragedy that happened or almost happened perhaps you could argue in this case is mm. very much from that original movie and yeah, which is why I, you know, I go back to that, that statement I said a few minutes ago is that in some ways it is probably the most authentic sequel even though it's not a sequel sequel mm-hmm. you know the spiritual sequel spiritually is the closest in a, in a lot of ways to what that original movie did so yep yeah. so real quick before we wrap up there's one final thing that we need to talk about and that is the final quote-unquote form of godzilla revealed in the final shot here mm-hmm. so for I'm, I'm hoping people have seen the movie if they're hearing the spoiler bits if not definitely go watch it and then come back for this very last few seconds because <laughs> the very the very first form we get is just the tail. It's just we don't see what the body looks like. It's just the tail under the water. Then it comes out and we see the body. It's flopping around. It's unable to support itself on its hind legs. Then it eventually stands up. We see it's able to walk on its hind legs. It gets a little bit uh, sturdier in that regard. Then it heads that back out to sea. And when it comes back a little while later. We see its skin is toughened up, it's gotten darker skinned, and obviously it has its nuclear abilities now. But the big thing is its tail. 
and its tail is still like half of its body size, if not. It's swinging around like oh, it's, crazy. It's an that, absolute that, huge part. This is absolutely the biggest his tail has ever been in a movie, relative yep. to his body size. And let me tell you, we go full Geiger on how phallic this thing is. But when they are analyzing it when they're doing these sort of descriptions. They say how he is able to evolve to whatever the settings really require of him. He is able to, you know, if he needs to withstand nuclear blasts or whatever, he evolves that. He is able to adapt to whatever his situation needs. They call him an extremophile because he's able to live in these extreme situations. But the very last shot of this movie, as we see that the huge body of Godzilla has all been frozen solid. It's essentially a rock at this point is we zoom in on the tail and sprouting off of the tail. We see what I can only describe as Godzilla themed xenomorphs branching off of his tail. They are humanoid. They are much, much smaller and they are all barely frozen in place. Like it looks like they're about to come off before Godzilla was frozen, thus leading the idea that the fifth form of Godzilla would have been much smaller and able to basically go down onto the ground and hunt rather than being this hulking monster. Yeah, and it's not. I don't think it's anything they ever planned on doing like a direct sequel to to actually do the next nah. thing. This is just more of a like a, a thematic what if. Like this would be the next logical mm-hmm. step it, is to if it's going to fight humans, if it can't do it as a big hulking thing, then maybe actually getting down to human level and fighting yeah. that way would be how to do I- it. I also think it's a much more interesting and kind of body horror take on the stereotypical ending of like, oh, and there's eggs of Godzilla. Godzilla has a spawn. So even if we kill this one, there's more just waiting out there. It's this idea of, no, it can reproduce asexually. We don't even need the eggs. It's just going to be tiny little Godzillas running around killing everybody. I mean, that's primarily Godzilla 1998 you're thinking of, I think. But <laughs> Yeah, but done so much better. <laughs> At least I don't remember any Japanese Godzillas that end with an egg. Well, no, maybe there's I mean, one. There, I, 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 there may be one or two, but certainly none I, of the early I, ones. I, I definitively know that there's a Godzilla Jr. named Manila who is a character. I don't know if there's a movie that yeah, ended with eggs, but at some point he gave birth to Manila. Oh, I don't think he gives birth to Manila. All right. I don't know. Again, I haven't seen him. I've seen yeah, the original I, I, Godzilla. I, I, think you're, I think you're making assumptions here because there's a character that's technically the son of Godzilla. I don't remember yeah. there being like a birthing element to Well, I'm not uh, saying it's in a movie, but I'm saying that at a certain point, I assume there would be an egg thing just to say like, there will be a son of Godzilla. Yeah, I don't know if that was at the end of a movie though. I don't remember that being like a, a tease. But again, it's been a while since I've watched those. So, I, but yeah. we'll get there. I, I don't remember if it's an adoptive thing or if like there's just an egg early on in the movie. <laughs> yeah, and it's maybe. like where did they come from? Uh, who knows? Yeah, Godzilla is also able to reproduce asexually. Just that's a consistent thing. I don't know if it's a consistent thing, though. I feel like in most movies, it doesn't even come up the idea, can Godzilla reproduce or not? Definitely not. But it's it's the matter of whenever they need it to come up, they're like, well, we're not going to make a female Godzilla to have have a mate with. We're just going to make it be that there's a baby Godzilla now. I I feel like if most movies just treat him like one of a kind, and it's partly why Manila as a character is something that, ah, that's better left forgotten. We don't worry. No more Manila. How are you... How do you expect them to relate to the kids if you're forcing them to just look at a giant man in a rubber Godzilla suit? 
How dare you? Kinsella's not meant to be relatable. Is my, my first <laughs> my first thought on that. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, but yeah, I mean, just to wrap up, I I think that. This movie, one thing that we kind of glossed over is the soundtrack. It does use a lot of the classic Godzilla score, but there's also a bunch of new tracks in there. Yeah, yeah. I think the whole way through, it just nails it. One of the, This movie's soundtrack is one that I can come back to repeatedly even without watching the movie because it's just hauntingly beautiful for so much of it. Yeah, it's an experience. It's one of those things where, like, I started watching it and I was getting into the vibes of the, the, the sort of the... The, okay, the response to what's happening, we have to talk about there's this thing in the water, these tunnels are closed, and then it escalates to a monster, and it escalates and it escalates. And when it builds up to the spectacle, the music and the visuals all kind of come together to to give this vibe. And it feels like a movie that's very much about the strategic response as opposed to following, like we said earlier, a hero who is... Mm-hmm. going to be the one who saves the day miraculously through like a singular idea or or something like that it never tries to be that and as a result it, it does kind of feel like the humans are in awe of the the, the thing that's happening to them the thing that's happening mm-hmm. around them so yeah yeah i do wonder how much because obviously japan is much less individualistic as a country than say like america they do believe in the collective greater good and such like that i mean that's how the whole fukushima thing basically wrapped up was that there were a bunch of volunteers elderly volunteers who decided to go in and be able to fix up the problem that needed fixing up in there so it is this idea of you do what's best for the people as a whole rather than what's best for yourself. So I think that might be a major contributing reason as to why this movie doesn't seemingly have that singular hero character. And it is more of an idea of collectively as a whole, we can come up with a way to defeat Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's unconventional. It's not typically what you do when you're writing a story, but Mm. there's always exceptions that prove the rule and exceptions that, it makes sense for this to not have these kind of things. And it makes it a very different type of movie to watch, for sure. But I would say, that, like, the singular human characters have never been a stronger point in the Godzilla movies anyway. Like, there's always human characters in them. There has to be, to some capacity. Yeah. But they're never, or very rarely, are they the, the defining parts of it. The, the human characters in the original Godzilla movie are very good, um, mm-hmm. But immediately when you go to raids again, you've got this stupid love triangle that you just you're you're tearing your your hair out every you know every second it cuts back to it. You're like, yeah. just get to the the main reason why we're here. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, going to go. Sorry, apparently there was a subplot in a very early draft that was like a romance subplot going on, and Hidekiano was just like, nope, not doing that. Throw that page out. I mean, I think that would have bogged it down. Like, I, I think that was right to... Like, yeah. a, any additions I would have suggested, whether you liked them or hated them, were all, like, all of my thinking was about just upping tension and giving us more ways to explore the the human perspective looking up at Godzilla. And I, I don't think mm-hmm. the the ro- romance would have would have helped like part of me was worried yeah. that they were going to do something because you know like uh, Patterson when she comes into it she they even point out she's so young she's this young beautiful mm-hmm. woman like I was like oh are they going to do a thing where Yaguchi falls for her and they never do that They, if anything they actually go out of their way to show that it's just kind of this mutual respect at the end where it's like hey mm-hmm. she's going to try and be a politician in the US he's maybe going to be a politician here in Japan and maybe one day they'll, their paths will cross again and, and, that's, and that kind of like you know international relations manner 
Um, right. So I, I didn't think it was bold though, because when she's talking to the American guy and he's like, hey, if you make this choice, you might be kissing that dream of being president in your 40s goodbye. And I'm like, have you seen what the American public vote for? Like, I don't know if this woman who has a Japanese accent trying to be president in her 40s is going to pan out anyway, through no fault of her own, might I add. Yeah, yeah. I do. I if, Okay, I, I didn't get a chance to bring this up before. My one very minor nitpick here is that they explicitly say that Patterson's character is supposed to be Japanese American raised in America. Yes. This actress had to learn English for this role. Like she, she was great. She was a great actress. I think she did a fine job in the role, but in terms of like the internal lore you're working with, I could tell that she did not speak English as a first or like barely second language. She had to learn it very quickly for this. So I think that having someone who could put on like an American accent would have been a lot better. What's so weird about that though is that I feel like the few times where she says something in ja- or in English rather, like I don't think mm-hmm. you needed them. I think if you just kept her just talking yeah. to other people who were speaking Japanese, it would have never came up, and I'd, I would have just accepted because I don't necessarily. I think I would notice like the difference between. Uh, like I can notice like a, an American or Japanese accent speaking English. I don't think mm-hmm. I would be able to notice all that much if like she's supposed to have an American accent speaking Japanese. Well, no, I don't think I would not. notice that. So, no. I mean, that's, that's always what it goes back to for me with um, Arnold Schwarzenegger is that, you know, externally he's whenever he speaks, he's got like this deep voice and it's, it's the epitome of just like tension and, manliness but then apparently in his own accent it like i think it's german if he speaks in his own language he sounds like a hick to other germans just because of yeah. where he grew up austrian not it's german that same sort yeah. of thing yes austrian sorry yeah um yeah no I, I, that's the thing as much as i say i wouldn't notice like if she's got a a Japanese accent speaking Japanese when it's supposed to be American. I'm sure Japanese mm. people would notice that she's got the wrong accent because to them it'll right. be night and day. Uh, but certainly to to us, it didn't stick out. So, but so hey. what, what we're saying is, Toho, get your Japanese movies to focus on what we, the Americans, are expecting. No, no, no. I, I think <laughs> what we're saying is, is that the, the base critique you had was correct, although mm. all we're really saying is that there was a way to make it unnoticeable to anyone outside of Japan, but it was still noticeable yeah. to us because you had her speak in English at a couple of points. And I wouldn't even have a problem with it if they said like, oh, she was born in America, but then raised in Japan or something like that. Like that would have worked as well. But they explicitly say like, no, she was yeah. raised in America. She wants to be president. And it just, it didn't work for what the actress was. Yeah, it's, it's, yes, whatever. But it, mm. relatively minor quibble, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. all, all things considered, Absolutely. it's the sort of thing you can overlook because the visuals, the the vibe, the atmosphere, and the messaging of the movie is all so strong that you're just kind of you're 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 into it anyway. So mm-hmm. yeah, Shingazel is very good. Uh, yes, I, I, I'm happy to finally have seen it. Uh, it's got me hyped to go see minus one, which mm-hmm. I will be doing very soon. We won't we won't be doing it on the show for another month or two. Uh, I'd have to check where, where it's coming up in the schedule, but yeah, give or take. So. Uh, it's going to be somewhere in March. August, March. Okay, so, that, so it's about a month before the uh, the new American movie. Okay. Yep. Right, so you, you went to expect it then. So, mm-hmm. very good. All right, well, I guess we were here to rate the uh, the movie. So what are you going to give Shin Godzilla? Yes. Um, I mean, I can't... 
I can't with everything I've said, just watching it back again, I was enraptured the whole time. I can't give it anything less than a nine. It's it's okay. a fantastically well made movie. It I think hits on what Godzilla should be all about. As much as I love watching him punch other monsters in the face, because yes, I do love that. I think that you can make a like movie that has a deep message that can be told through Godzilla more than just Godzilla punches monsters in the face. Mm. And this just hits it on all accounts. This is a fantastically well-told movie. I think that there's a reason that it is able to get a sequel made. Uh, It's not a sequel. sequel. But it's in the same like continuity. So it's not. It's not? I could have uh, sworn that it was in the same I'll Shin Godzilla because so. no. it's the race era. All right. Well, regardless, uh, it, it's it is sta- still... Rise, uh, minus one's a completely standalone movie. All I've heard is that you don't need to have seen a, a, a single Godzilla movie to watch, even the original. Really? Oh, wow. All right. Well, either way, this definitely reinvigorated Godzilla in the Japanese market enough that we can get Godzilla minus one. So uh, with all that said, yeah, I'll definitely give it the nine. Yeah, I think for me, I'm going to go with a straight eight. I think it's a... a I think it's a great movie. I, I think the visuals are wonderful. It is one of the best Japanese Godzilla movies. It's not as good as the first original movie. The original film is too important in its history, and it, it's such a well-made, fantastic film that it's going to take a, a hell of a movie to like, top that, I think, to me. But mm, this it. is one of the best since then. And I think I'd have to rewatch the other ones that I think are really great. I'm, I'm thinking the uh, Ghidorah, the three-headed monster, which is like the fifth one. I think mm. I think it's the one that I've always said is the best sequel. Um, either okay. that or Godzilla 1984. I think this is definitely. I think I'd put this above 1984. I think I'd say this 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 surpasses that. I think what I like about Ghidorah so much is like this like. Yeah, it's starting to go into slightly goofy territory, but it's this idea that, oh, this this ridiculously beautifully three-headed monster is coming from 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 Jupiter, <laughs> and the only hope <laughs> is that Godzilla's going to have to fight it. It's like the the best... Because like, that's the movie where Godzilla turned face. Like, is that in Mothra yeah. versus Godzilla? Godzilla's the villain, and Mothra's the good guy. Or mm. good girl, I guess, because Mothra's female. <laughs> but, um... And... Ghidorah it's like no 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 Martha's like hey Godzilla we need to work together like you and Rodan need to get on board because this this Ghidorah is going to ruin everything and that's Mm -hmm. like I have a lot of love for that one very different though from this very very different so uh, but that's it 8 out of 10 really great it may go up in time as I see it again uh, but like it's like what it does well it does exceptionally well and the the Mm -hmm. minor critiques that I've given it are the, the things that are maybe just holding it back from being just downright amazing but uh i've heard lots of great things about minus one so i'm very excited to see that and uh yeah just to see, see how i feel about that so uh more on Same that here. Uh, soon because uh i guess we'll, we'll find out you'll find out from what we think of that in, in march uh i mean by the time mm. you're getting this like it'll already be like a month old at least uh, minus one because this, this is not going out yeah. until like january or something like that so yeah that's the that's the plan uh mm. so yeah before david gets to his homework uh, i'll just quit yes. i'll do the plugs here so you can support everything over at patreon.com slash tv and we have two monthly shows that me and david do that you get over there the three dollar tier and up you get criterion cut which is me and david talking about criterion collection movies 
some of the best of the best and then at the five dollar tier and up you get extra reels which is me and david talking about some of the worst things of all time and we've been talking about maybe cycling in more sci-fi movies into that as well because uh some sci-fi movies fall into that tier so it makes sense that that's where they would maybe go if we're not willing to give them a regular episode some sci-fi movies i feel like half of the bad movies i ever watch are people who are just like what if future but mm. stupid idea yeah, well i mean like there's, there's some bad sequels to things that because like, uh, we have to do scanners two and three for example at some point and i, I don't know where they go Ugh. i can't wait for scanner cop I saw that when I was looking through the scanner stuff. Yeah, that's a, that's a, a spinoff. With scanner powers. Yeah, but yeah. that's a spinoff, though. Scanner Top 1 and 2 are a spinoff series. So I guess in total, there's five scanner movies worth doing. <laughs> Great. Anyway. Can't wait. <laughs> so yeah, go, go support us on Patreon. Plus, there's a Screams After Midnight or Horror Movie podcast. There's bonuses for that and all sorts of other things. So if you like the show, go check that stuff out. Very good. All right. Mm-hmm. David's yes. got his homework. David is watching movies that we did in the show before David joined up, and he keeps it a secret from me. Except this week, I know what he did, but <laughs> that, yeah, because it's it's relevant. He's he's picked something related. So, David, what was your yeah. homework movie this week? Well, as you were saying, eventually we're going to be making our way to Godzilla Cross Kong, which is MonsterVerse, and you and Tara made it a point to cover the entire MonsterVerse before I got here. So. Had to start with Godzilla 2014. I have to start from the beginning and work my way through there. And um, I had seen that one before. As I said, I I saw it actually before Shin Godzilla. I think I've probably seen it twice before this current viewing. Um, I, I remember the first time through, I did have the same sort of criticisms that were kind of widespread of, oh, there's not enough monsters. And, oh, we focus on... Aaron Taylor Johnson and his wife and such way too much. There's too much people stuff in this movie, but watching it back again this time, I actually, I actually found myself appreciating the human stuff a little bit more. I found myself Mm. finding how much it added to the story overall, rather than just being a distraction because they didn't want to put monsters on screen. And there was still a lot of monster stuff on screen. I think people, they they save it for the third act, most of it, but when it does get there, yeah, there's this, like, for me, I I love that movie, and I love that movie partially because, A, the way they treat Godzilla is this monstrous thing. They've got that 2001 yes. music playing the first time you see him properly. But it's those visuals, like, the, the, the way San Francisco's turned into, like, the apocalypse. Like, when they're mm-hmm. skydiving in, and you're getting just glimpses of Godzilla, the silhouette, or... I think all that stuff is just beautiful, and it's the, the same reasons why I like some of the stuff in the middle of of Shin Godzilla is that just the, the visuals yeah. and the way they, they handle it. I, I think this, there's a point that you guys said in the review that I really think is what I was feeling during those scenes, which is those are the moments where you realize earth no longer belongs to humans. And obviously it's an idea that the movie series itself runs with. It's this idea that no earth has always belonged to the Titans. They just let us have it for a little while. Um, but that, those scenes were the ones that was really this, this, microscopic human just going into this massive battle where they couldn't care less if you lived or died. That's the sort of thing that I feel really set the tone for what the movie was doing overall. Um, Only two minor critiques. 
there is in the third act obviously we do still have to give aaron taylor johnson something to do and Mm. honestly i think he takes on a bit too much of like hero syndrome where oh he's the only person who's capable of doing this final thing i'm like all right but like why why does he have to be the one i guess and then the secondary thing is more of just something that made me laugh is that there's several points throughout this movie where they'll go to a place where they know that one of the Mutos, one of the other monsters have been, and they'll send in like a helicopter or something and show the people going into this location. And then they'll cut to the other side of it and show there's this giant gaping hole where like the monster is either clearly left the path that he's walked through or is still literally right there. And I'm like, guys, did you need to like do the whole thing? I feel like if any satellite would have picked up this giant ass monster walking its way currently to Vegas. I, I but, mean, that's fair. I'll, I'll let them away with it for dramatic license though, because you get the right. big reveal of the, oh shit, the back of this base is to open because the monsters went through it <laughs> right like the first time they did it it was a trail that was leading out to the ocean i'm like okay perhaps they missed it it's out in the jungle i can explain that the second time they did it you literally see vegas like right there yeah. and the monster is immediately in front of it towering over it and i'm like okay you probably should have caught that one beforehand that's fair um but yeah no, overall it's it's a great start to the monster verse it does some very cool things yeah. um I have and, fun with the rest. Yeah, I have fun with the rest of the movies, but I, I am always a little bit sad that the tone of this movie didn't stick around because oh, yeah. I kind of wanted that tone with Ghidorah when we got to like his movie, mm-hmm. and it's a shame that I still enjoyed that for what it was for the most part. But it's definitely a big step down in terms of the vibe. Yeah, I, I watched through this movie, and then I, like I said, I started going through the Godzilla rabbit hole, and I watched a clip from Godzilla versus Kong, and I was like, oh, this is just completely different it's there's car- like it's, not it's, even any dna it's a cartoon uh, like th- that was one of my big things is that it does feel like the tone and the atmosphere of this is just put aside for the cartoony qualities that the mm. rest of them have and i can still have fun with those but it, it, i i do think 2014 was a step above everything else that's came after yeah sure i mean if anything it's just mimicking how the show era went we started off with godzilla being <laughs> this force of nature sure. and then all of a sudden he's buddy buddy and fighting alongside the humans um overall though score i would probably just give it a flat eight i think sure. it is good it doesn't quite have that same little extra getting to that pure like artistic vision that i think shin godzilla has but it is a fantastic film nonetheless cool all right well Excellent. Well, we'll find out what you think of the rest of the MonsterVerse, I'm sure, sprinkled out over the the next couple months. But uh, that is the show. That is the Atomic Cinema Experiment. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Let us know what you think of Shin Godzilla in the comments and whatever else. But that is us. Thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching science fiction and computer at Salsa.